This is Wisconsin Water News, a production of the University of Wisconsin Sea Grant Program. I'm your host, Marie Zwickoff. Today's episode is Investigating the Mystery of Rising Silica Levels in the Great Lakes. When John Burgess and Erica Young arrived to work at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in 2002, the nuisance algae Cladophora was the big issue. They began collaborating with other researchers to investigate causes of the massive algal bloom in Lake Michigan. If they knew what was causing it, they might have the keys to reverse it. While they didn't immediately unlock the secrets of Cladophora blooms, they came upon another compelling finding that may play a role. We put some of that Cladophora under the microscope, and what immediately impressed both of us was it was absolutely covered with diatoms. Phytoplankton, which use silica in their cell wall, but they were living all over it. That's Burgess, a professor of biological sciences and an affiliate of UW-Milwaukee's School of Freshwater Science. He also said that they discovered that about 2% of the weight of Cladophora comes from silica, which is an enormous amount. No one knew this before, so he and Erica Young quickly focused on silica. Silica is a compound of silicon and oxygen. It has mineral forms like quartz and is the main component of sandstone and other rocks. It also has a biological form, biogenic silica, which is contained in living things like diatoms. And it plays an important role in the food web limiting the growth of diatoms, which are single-celled algae, that fish depend upon for food. It also plays a critical role in carbon cycling, wetlands function, and freshwater ecosystems. In humans, our bones, teeth, and tendons need silica to remain strong and healthy. Burgess and Young discovered that throughout the summer, silica levels yo-yo in the lake. Burgess describes it like this. As the deep water from the lake upwells and comes into shore, and and everyone on the beaches cringes as that deep water comes up and makes it too cold to swim, the silica goes up because there's a deep reservoir of silica. But then something in the near shore sucks all that silica out, and it goes way down again. The other thing they discovered is that silica levels in Lakes Michigan, Huron, and Superior have been rising consistently over the past 30 to 35 years. Before that, silica levels were sinking. But now, the silica is going up, and it's going up drastically. And there's not a really clear answer as to why. So we've got ourselves a real little mystery Along with Hunter Carrick, a biology professor at Central Michigan University, the duo successfully proposed a project to Wisconsin Sea Grant in 2018 for funding to study the changing silica dynamics in Lake Michigan for two years. They are measuring dissolved and biogenic silica in three nearshore regions of Lake Michigan to see what it does in response to rainfall and upwellings, assess its use by Cladophora, and develop a picture of how it's used in the nearshore region. Burgess described their project. It's a a fairly comprehensive look at the sources of silica in Lake Michigan. We'll measure it in rivers. We'll get some handle on both sides of the lake, but also the, the organisms that might be using silicate and how much they contain. Because so many organisms use silica, the researchers can think of many reasons why silica levels should be dropping they aren't sure why the levels are rising. Burgess said it's a real head-scratcher. 
Young, an associate professor of biological sciences and also an affiliate in the freshwater sciences at UW-Milwaukee, is conducting laboratory studies to determine how algae grow with and without silica. If you've got these types of algae in your system, where do you find the silica? Where are the pools of silica? As John said, we know about this for diatoms, but some of these other groups we have not been so sure. And so this lab work is sort of in parallel will hopefully give us that that kind of information. Young and Burgess spent part of the last year at the University of Tasmania's Institute for Marine and Antarctic Studies and Australia's Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, growing marine phytoplankton and measuring the amounts of silica they contain. Burgess described how it connects to their Great Lakes project. And this might help us understand which species, both in marine and in freshwater, that we might have neglected could contain silica in addition to the diatoms. And we found that there are a number of the cyanobacteria and some green algae, which are also found in freshwater, which seem to have very high silica. So that was a surprise, and that'll be really useful information. They also looked at silica levels in marine seaweeds surrounding the island of Tasmania. Citizen science is yet another part of this project that's in the works. Burgess said they plan to host several workshops at ecology centers to train people to use their cell phones as microphones so that they can take images of Clodophora. We want people to go down to the shore, pick up the Clodophora, put it under, and ultimately snap pictures for us. Send those pictures to us, and and most cell phones have a GPS in them so they can geo-reference it and tell us where that clodophora came from. And hopefully, uh, if we realize this idea, we'll be able to collect data on where clodophora is around Lake Michigan and what sort of a, a load of diatoms, these epiphytes, it has on it. That's it for this episode of Wisconsin Water News. Just one of the ways that Wisconsin Sea Grant promotes the sustainable use of Great Lakes resources through research, education, and outreach. Subscribe to us for free through iTunes and Google Play. Thank you to John Burgess and Erica Young, and thank you for listening.